And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Doing well, Jordan. The regular season, right around the corner. Right around the corner. Doesn't training camp go so fast? It's like you look forward to it and, and you know, you're going to get all this work done and all, and then it's like, oh my gosh, the regular season is, is right here. And uh, I know we're excited about that. Yeah. And even more exciting, we are, I would say, not ad- in advanced knowledge of um, a lot of things that are becoming really, really popular now. You know that I am a fo- fantasy football expert, Rich. Yes. You know yes. that, especially as it pertains to running backs. But what I am not an expert in is sports betting. And so we're really, really excited today to be joined by Tyler Fulgham, who does a fantastic job at ESPN as a sports betting analyst. Tyler, how are we doing? Oh, there it is. Jordan, I'm doing well. Uh, <laughs> like I just said, I was curious to see how long the pause uh, feels in real time recording this, because when I listen to the 11 personnel podcast, I'm on one and a half speed. And it's still pretty long on one and a half speed. But that was a that was a nice little pause. Let me catch my breath and I'm ready to uh, help you better understand the betting market and uh, some ways to maybe bet the Rams this season. If you want to make some money. Yeah, and I know Rams fans, I know you guys, this is something that a couple of you guys have been um, clamoring for I, I, in emails and um, a couple of tweets because um, this is just something that um, I personally am certainly not an expert in, but obviously the sports betting landscape is changing so rapidly and becoming uh, permeating through the league in, in various ways. And I think we this is something where we all are going to need to be and, and a lot of people are going to want to be um, in the know on things. So first and foremost, you guys make sure you go follow Tyler on on Twitter because he does a great, great job over at ESPN. And so he's at T-Y-L-E-R underscore F-U-L-G-H-U-M. Um, Tyler, what is the first thing that people who maybe are entering this landscape for the first time um, or even are maybe a little inexperienced, what are a couple of, of basics that we need to know? Well, the, f- the first thing you need to know, Rich Jordan, is kind of how to understand how to read a betting board. And if you get a particular bet, what do I have to pay for this bet uh, versus what is the payout if I win this bet? So very, very simply, when you look at a uh, line, like let's say the season win total, for instance, the betting markets have set the Rams win total at 10 and a half. So you can either bet that the Rams win more than 10 and a half games, 11 to 17 now, or they win under 10 and a half games, anywhere from zero to 10. Now, Bottom line, when you look at each side of a bet, whether it's over or under or which side is going to win a game, there's a price. For instance, the over 10 and a half wins is plus 120. The under is minus 140. Mm -hmm. Now, basically, what you want to do when you see the plus, when you see the minus is equate this to 100. When you see a plus sign 
plus 120 for the over, that means you have to wager $100 to make 120. So that when you see plus, you're getting a better return on your investment. When you see minus, that means now minus 140 for the under on that win total, you have to wager $140 to win a hundred back. Mm-hmm. So in the, bo- in the, in the basic maths of, of probability, that's why they're putting the minus in front of there. You have to wager more money than what you're going to win back. Probability speaking, it's a more likely outcome according to their mathematics. The over is a less likely outcome. That's why you get a better return on investment, so to speak, at plus 120. So all you have to do is bet that 100. But if you win, you're getting your 100 back plus an extra 20, as opposed to if you bet the uh, under at minus 140, you got to bet 140 just to get back 100. You're never going to get back what you invest, but it is, according to their math, a more probable outcome. Therefore, they have that juice involved. So the first thing you have to understand is how to read a board, what prices you're getting, what return on investment you're getting with each and every bet. Tyler, the, the Rams have been an interesting team here in, in the Sean McVay era 2017 on, I think in terms of gambling, because they've gone against the grain pretty much every year, right? I mean, 2017, 2018, they surprised uh, Sean's first year. Nobody expected to, them to do what they did. His second year, they make the Super Bowl, which I don't think they were among the favorites to do. And then, of course, 2019 and to some extent 2020, uh, people would probably say they underachieved, at least in terms of what the expectations were. I imagine what some of the, the, the Vegas expectations were. So where are they? Before we get into some of these, we're going to get into some prop bets a little bit here. Uh, uh, maybe the Rams. We're gonna odds. make some up. <laughs> <laughs> it will be some podcast-related prop bets. Uh, that would be I like good. that. Yeah, but <laughs> like in general, before we break some of these down, what what does Vegas think about the Rams going into this season? Essentially, the Rams are the second favorite team in the NFC to come out of that conference and, and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. The Buccaneers, of course, defending champs, are considered the favorite in Vegas. You have a couple of teams in the AFC that have slightly lower odds, like the Chiefs. Um, I believe they're about in the same range as the Bills, the Packers, but they're essentially considered one of the top six or seven teams in the entire National Football League, according to Las Vegas. Um, so for them to win the NFC West, let's just say, they're at plus 180. And this is you know, going to be one of the most difficult divisions, one of the most competitive divisions in all of the National Football League. I think it's going to be the best in terms of uh, the quality of the four teams. The Rams are slightly favored to win the division at plus 180. Now, if you do the math and they have these calculators online, so I'm using it right now in front of me. I did not do this math in my head. Rest assured, I don't have that type of uh, ability, but a plus 180 um, price on the Rams is an implied probability of 35.7%. So basically this market thinks that the Rams have a 35.7% chance of winning the NFC West. And I think that's about right when you consider San Francisco and Seattle both obviously very good teams, and to a lesser extent, um, the Arizona Cardinals. When you look at the Rams to win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl again, it's plus uh, 650. And the math on that, as I run it real quick in my little odds calculator, plus 650 is a implied 13% chance. And then for the Super Bowl, they're 14 to 1. That goes down to about you know a 6 or 7% chance. And I think that's about in line when I look at the Rams with uh, what the probability should be. They are, when I look at the roster, adding Matt Stafford to help get the offense back to 2017-18 levels, having Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald together on a defense as long as they're healthy, even with some regression from being a number one defense overall, as long as those two are healthy, they probably shouldn't slide out of the top seven, eight, nine, or 10 in all the National Football League. But if Sean McVay and Matt Stafford can help cultivate that offense that is once again a top 
five or six offense in the NFL. Well, now you have a complete team and you should be a favorite to go to a Super Bowl, despite some of the question marks that still remain for the Rams, like most teams have, I guess you could say outside of Tampa Bay, since they're returning all 22 starters from a Super Bowl winning team a season ago. Interesting. You know, I looked at the win total and it's 10.5 and I don't know how many times I'm going to have to remind myself of this this season, but it's now <laughs> a 17 game season. This is not a 16 game. So I looked at 10 and f- 10.5 initially and went, oh, wow, that's a, but now, uh, you know, basically that's that's the difference between 10 and seven. As weird as that sounds, I'm not, not going to be able to get used to that. And and 11 and, and six. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, pretty close there, the over being a one, 120 plus 120, the under being minus 140. So I don't know, Jordan, we, we haven't made our uh, predictions yet. I, I imagine we'll probably do that uh, in the next podcast. But I don't know, Jordan, If let's, let's just do it from a betting perspective. If I gave you $100 and I'm not giving you $100. Oh, damn. <laughs> You're not giving me $100? No, I'm sorry. I will not. (laughs) Why am I even Uh, on here? Just kidding. (laughs) What what do you think? Would would this be a bet? Would would you risk a a little bit to to try to get that plus 120 and put a little extra money in your pocket? Or uh, do you think the safe bet here is is to go with the under, just just based on uh, what uh, your your instincts tell you right now? I mean, as someone who kind of, uh, you know, came of age in the – Pac-12 football offensive shootout era, I kind of got used to sort of like, quote unquote, taking the over (laughs) on things. (laughs) So I think uh, for me, I'm kind of like, I'm not advising anybody to do this, by the way, disclaimer. Tyler is the one who will give the advice, not myself. But um, I I kind of always tend to lean toward the over on things. Like, I think I just, uh, especially with this team, um, they take risks, and so it kind of parallels to me um, into sort of that higher possible payoff. And to me, it's like if this fails, it's really going to fail. <laughs> it won't just mm. be it won't just be like a halfway thing. Like if if this experiment with Matthew Stafford um, implodes, and I don't think it will, you know, barring uh, circumstantial things that are outside of anybody's control, and you know, I don't think it will implode. But I do I, I do tend to think this is at least an eleven win football team. Um, if they can kind of get all the pieces, all the moving pieces they've been trying to flatten out um, into a, a rhythm. And that might take a couple games, as we saw it, even with, you know, Tom Brady joining a new team last year, took several games for everything to click. But once it did, it really did. Um, so I think for me, uh, this is a long way of me saying, like, I'd probably take the over on that and then um, hopefully be hopefully be a wealthier woman after that. <laughs> I, I think, I think Jordan has the right play there though, Rich, because of the price. <laughs> I do. And you know, she's, she's right. This is a fragile team in terms of being top heavy. And if one of those big three Ramsey, Donald or Stafford misses significant time, your bet is hurting there. But I think because the price is plus plus one twenty, and because the markets also have this prop, the Rams are minus 200 to make the playoffs. They're plus 160 to not make the playoffs. So if you're going to make the playoffs, you're looking at probably at least at the very least nine wins, but probably right. 10 or 11 wins is going to be what it requires to get in the playoffs. And at minus 200, the market is saying the implied probability of the Rams making the playoffs is 67%. So if you, if the market, as it sees things laid out right now, Stafford, McVay with Donald and Ramsey thinks the Rams have a 67% chance of making the playoffs. Well, I think that means they have about a 67% chance of winning at least 10 or 11 games. And the price for the over is less than, is it an implied probability of less than 50%. So when you do your shopping there, you look, well, if the Rams are going to make the playoffs, then 
they got to win at least 10 or 11 games. And the over is giving me this nice price where I'm going to win back 120 if I bet 100. I think that's the smart bet to make. Sometimes you have to do use process when betting. Pro, you trust the process, process over results. Sometimes you're going to make smart bets that lose, but the process, because of the information you have and the line that you're getting, makes it a smart bet. The outcome you can't judge because it's out of your hands once you place that bet. But if you find an edge, like I think you can find with that win total over 10 and a half at plus 120, um, I think that's the right bet, even if the Rams only end on 10 or the season falls apart and they win five games. I think the right bet based on the price and the probability the market is telling you that the Rams are going to be good this year, I think that's the right bet. Tyler, does that play itself out with the uh, winning the division too? Just because I'm looking, this might be a little less scientific, but you look at last season and the division winners, what it took to win the division. And I'm just going through the AFC. It was 13, 14, 12, and and then a tie at at, at 11. And then you go to the NFC, other than the the dumpster fire that was out east, um, it was 12, 13, 12. So, I mean, even in a 16-game season, it basically took 12 uh, wins to to, to win the division. So if if you're, uh, if, if, Vegas, if these sites are telling us that the Rams are favored to win the, the division, yep. um, I, I would assume it's telling us that they are somewhat favored to, to get about 12 wins, at least in, even in a 16-game season. Or is that, am I, am I taking it a little too far there? No, you, that is absolutely perfect kind of logic, going step by step to try and figure out what's the softest market or the best uh, bet to make. Uh, I don't want to bet the Rams to make the playoffs because I do think they are, but I got to wager $2 for every one I, I win back. So the return right. on investment is just not good enough for me. So I'll pass on that. You don't need to bet everything, remember, guys. That's the way that you lose the money <laughs> and end up on the street. If you're not confident in a bet and you're not confident in the process, just pass. Because guess what? Whatever you want to bet, I guarantee you, rest assured, there's a market out there that is going to allow you to bet it in some way, shape, or form. We are a degenerate nation, baby. That's what makes football so great to watch. Whether you're a fantasy player or a gambler, find the bets that you are comfortable with. Pass on the ones you're not. To win the NFC West, even though the Rams are favored and I would bet the over of 10.5, I'm not going to bet them at plus 180 to win the uh, count or the division because I don't like that price. The Seahawks at plus 280, who I look at as having about an equal chance to the Rams of winning this division because they have the best quarterback in this division still, no matter what, bringing Matt Stafford in, no matter what Trey Lance may do, the best quarterback in the division is Russell Wilson. And they have the third uh, third longest odds in this division. So I think you're, the process says betting on the best quarterback at plus 280 versus what I think is the best team at plus 180 is just better value on Russell Wilson. So I would rather bet the Seahawks at plus 280 have that ticket than the Rams at plus 180, even though I do think the Rams can win the division. And even though I think their win total, the proper bet is over 11, the smart bet based on prices to win the NFC West to me is the Seahawks at plus 280 as opposed to the Rams at plus 180. So I'm going to get an extra dollar for everyone I invest if the Seahawks pull it off. Yeah, that, that's what caught my eye too. Seattle, Seattle caught my eye there. Uh, the, the same way, just uh, talking about again, you know, re- maximizing your your potential return. Yes, and and I guess yes. it, it, I'm I'm sure you know people like like anything else. You have uh, people you know go to Vegas and play you know blackjack or poker or whatever. Some people are more conservative. Uh, some people like to take their chances and roll the dice a little bit. Um, so again, uh, kind of depends on on what you're trying to get out of this. Uh, some people always bet their favorite teams just because yeah. <laughs> uh so you know if we, are you trying to do this for for pleasure for play or are you actually trying to, to make money off of it i imagine your 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 wagers your decisions are, are a little bit 
different. But um, let's get into some of these because Tyler sent us over some fun. Um, most of them are, are kind of prop bets. The, there's some uh, MVP uh, coach of the year. Let's let's jump into those. The one the ones you yep. sent over. Uh, MVP uh, Matthew Stafford. If I'm reading this correctly, basically 18 to one. Is that how I'd be reading that at, at plus 1800? That is correct. And Aaron Donald, is this right? Put would be plus, he'd be 125 to one. Yeah. And I think that's even shot up a little bit to like closer to plus 200 uh, wow. now. So obviously check for your prices there. And we know, I mean, that, that's the fun bet. The Aaron, betting $5 on Aaron Donald to win the MVP is the fun YOLO bet when you go to the casino, you know, because the chances of it happening are, you know, less than 1%. Unless yeah, it's a quarterback. Yeah. The MVP award is essentially a quarterback award, and we haven't seen a defensive player win it since Lawrence Taylor back in 1986. And I argue all the time about the merits of Aaron Donald stacked next to uh, Lawrence Taylor with one of my friends who um, is a Cowboys fan but grew up watching Lawrence Taylor in the 80s. And I think Aaron Donald has reached that level of play uh, in his career. And he says, no, he's not Lawrence Taylor yet. He's got time. He can be that, but I, that's that's another argument, another podcast for another day. But the fun oh, I'm ready back. for it. I'll argue with your friend. <laughs> I know me and you can bring uh, a lot of ammo to that to that uh, conversation. But the, the the fun 125 to one long shot. Go put five, ten, whatever you know your lunch money on Aaron Donald and hope he sets the sack record. The Rams have the best uh, record in the NFL, and they they win the NFC West and have you know a top seed in the conference because uh, the defense is just even better than they were a season ago led by Aaron Donald. But more than likely, your money's better spent uh, guessing that a QB will win the MVP award. Yeah. All right. So, Jordan, let's do our $100 bet again because we're, let's take these three options. Matthew Stafford MVP is, is plus 1,800. Aaron okay. Donald MVP is plus – he's 125 to 1. And as Tyler said, might even be higher than that right now. Uh, Sean McVay, coach of the year, is plus 1,800. So the exact same in, in this scenario as the Matthew Stafford MVP. If it's me, like, again, if it, like Tyler said, if it's $5, maybe I, I put it on Aaron Donald just as a flyer. Um, if, I, if I'm betting $100, which to me is a pretty good bet, by the way, because yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. cheap and I don't bet very well. <laughs> If I put $100 down, I think I put it on Stafford MVP, just in terms of most likely uh, to to pay off. I don't, you know, history tells us Aaron Donald MVP, probably not going to happen. Sean McVay, coach of the year, is just a rough one to me because he's already, ha he already has such a high, uh, people think so highly of him already that uh, for him to reach that coach of the year status, I, I don't know what it would take. Like he would probably have to go like 15 and two or something for, for people to actually think like, oh, wow, you know, he's really had an extraordinary season. But so based on that and based on Stafford's potential in this offense, I'd probably go with him. But what do you, what do you think, Jordan? Yeah. And you know what? I actually think the two are tied a little bit um, together. Mm. And if we're looking at it down the stretch of the season, I think the Matthew Stafford MVP conversation and the Sean McVay coach of the year conversation will very much be tied together. I think we're too far behind still as a football society to have a real conversation about Aaron Donald and how he should always be an MVP contention. Amen. So I'll, just, I'll just leave that there because we're not ready yet. I mean, we are currently on this podcast, <laughs> but as a society, we are not ready to, I think, have that conversation. But um, I do think that the two of those are, are tied together uh, in terms of Matthew Stafford and and, and Sean McVay. So I think, uh, I don't know if I'm even allowed to do that, but I put 50 bucks on each. <laughs> 
Sure. <laughs> I don't know if I'm Good. allowed to do it, but I do think because you know, if if Matthew Stafford and the Rams can be successful in this, I do think that it accomplishes something again that um, not a lot of quarterbacks moving to a system for the first time, other than a couple of the names that are now sort of cemented in the upper echelon of football history, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, um, able to accomplish such things uh, after switching into a new system. Although uh, there is some argument, yes, Tom Brady switched into a new system, but by half the halfway point of the season, he was very much running his own stuff. <laughs> so, but I think, you know, moving into this, uh, this new offensive system that Matthew Stafford will be doing and maybe perhaps accomplishing quite a bit in it, um, to the point where the Rams are making a run, I think those two will de- definitely very much be tied together in that type of uh, conversation. And I also thought it was interesting. I, I went and looked at some of the, these this morning, and um, I did think it was interesting that uh, Brandon Staley is a coach of the year favorite, right? Tyler yeah. is what I'm saying. And yeah. obviously, you know, Sean McDermott being up there too. And I'm like, what defensive guys are getting in there. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, I and, and going back to the question, I would rather bet Brandon Staley to win coach of the year than Sean McVay. I don't know if you guys are fight fans, UFC fans, but a term they use often is path to victory. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of apply that to the, like props like this. What is the path to victory for Sean McVay winning the coach of the year, for Matt Stafford winning the MVP, Aaron Donald winning the MVP, or someone like Brandon Staley? And usually we see for coach of the year, the narrative when Sean McVay won it, when Kevin Stefanski won it a season ago, it's that young guy who comes over in his first year and then immediately flips the script and turns a team into a contender. And I think the pieces are there for Brandon Staley to do that. The Chargers have been an underachieving team in recent years, but if Staley is as good as he showed as his one year as the defensive coordinator of the Rams, and I think he is that good, having Justin Herbert and Joey Bosa and uh, Derwin James to play with on defense, I think the Chargers can win 10, 11 games, maybe even compete with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, dare I say, in the AFC West. And if that's the case, the narrative from the voters is going to skew towards someone like Brandon Staley for getting the team over the hump. Sean McVay and Sean McDermott already have their teams over the hump. So I think Mm -hmm. it's really hard for them. They have to do something really, really special to have a path to victory to cash that ticket. I think Stafford has the easier path to ticket as compared to his coach at 18 to Mm one, because he has this room for a, a ceiling that we haven't yet seen. He's a number one overall pick, had some good seasons in Detroit, well loved and respected around the league by peers, but hasn't had that team success. So all of a sudden, if he comes to L.A. and the Rams get back to a one or two seed in the NFC, win a bunch of games, and Stafford has the numbers that Jared Goff had, or even better when Goff was uh, playing well under McVay, I think that's a path that the voters will uh, uh, kind of like buy into and, and more likely for Stafford at 18 to 1 to get my $100 than Sean McVay. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking too. Because you look and and not to you know name names or whatever, but I mean Bill, Bill Belichick hasn't been coach of the year since 2010. Right. You know, and <laughs> not to name names. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that that's kind of one that's kind of a third rail name because people are very you know opinionated about him. But it, that is kind of you, once you've reached a level, it's like well that you're just yeah. you're just a good coach. And you're right, right, a lot of these names that have been on the list. I mean, Jason Garrett was the coach of the year four years ago. So if if that tells you anything about narrative. And, and how these things go. 
Um, it's 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 hard. It's tough for uh, once the coach is established uh, to to kind of get that that type of support. So I I agree. Uh, very, very interesting. Let's go. We, uh, Tyler provided us some uh, bets for the week one against the Bears. Want to get to those? But but real quick, some a couple of these prop bets are interesting, and I'm, sure. I'm going to go through. Maybe uh, Jordan or, or I can can um, screenshot this this list here. So I know it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to to uh, you know talk about numbers over over a podcast. It probably probably gets lost if we if we mention too many numbers, but um, a couple of things, cause they all have about the same, uh, the same minus minus one fifteen here. Uh, Matthew Stafford touchdown passes uh, over under would, I guess, does he have to reach this 28.5? Right. Daryl Henderson rushing yards, 925.5. Between this one, you're going to get to Daryl and, and Cooper's the next one at uh, 1,005.5. Yeah. Uh, so these yeah. two I want to talk about very quickly. Yeah. The one that and Tyler please correct me if I'm if I'm kind of veering into uh like not as much hard evidence and more into like uh guessing, but I think you know betting guessing same same difference, right? It <laughs> um, is. It but, is. Um there is no precedent for that number for Daryl Henderson. Wow. And yeah. and there is no availability pre- precedent either. It's not just there is no precedent numerically for that production. But there is no availability precedent um, in terms of being able to be on the field enough and and healthy to accumulate such a production number. So for me, that's where I would take the under. Is that would is am I on the right track there, Tyler? You are on the right track, and I would be the, I would do the exact same thing. When I'm imagining how this Rams offense is going to work this season, I'm imagining that because of the Cam Akers injury, Sean McVay is going to have to skew a little bit more towards. Um, throwing the football than he would have with Akers. Uh, and I think that's going to benefit Matt Stafford and the wide receivers in their production. In the red zone, especially, where Akers is great between the tackles, is a little more sturdy than Daryl Henderson. Not that Henderson can't do it, but I imagine Sean McVay every so often uh, might call up a pass play to try and get in the end zone as opposed to that two-yard run, just so Henderson avoids the contact and can stay healthy. Because right now, with unproven backs behind Henderson, Sean McVay has to do his best to keep Henderson healthy for December and January if this team wants to go where it intends to go. So if you're going to do that, lean into Matt Stafford a little bit more. Cooper yeah. Cup, Robert Woods, Deshaun Jackson, Tyler Higby, Jacob Harris, Tutu Atwell. I mean, you have weapons and you have what you perceive as an upgrade at quarterback. So I'm very bullish on Stafford overs. I'm a little more bearish on Henderson and mm-hmm. his unders because of what you mentioned, Jordan, the lack of production precedent and the um, concern with keeping him healthy for 17 games. Uh, so Stafford TD passes, I'd go over Robert Woods receiving yards. I'd go over as opposed to Cooper cup. I like Woods more because it's 10 yards less. And we know from last season that uh, McVay trusts Woods to be on the field more than someone like Cooper cup, because he's not that cup is not a great all around receiver, but Woods can block. He can take check sweeps. He can run everything in the route tree. Um, he's always been, you know, available. He doesn't have the injury history of other guys. I think there was 10 games last year out of 16 where Woods played 90 plus percent of the offensive snaps. That's significant. So I think he's just going to be out there more. And and opportunity is the name of the game in betting. If you if you take more shots in basketball, you can score more points. If you catch more passes or if you're out there on the field for more plays, you have an opportunity to catch more passes and accumulate more yards. Yeah, and I think um with both of those two receivers, I think you it's a it's a safer bet in my mind 
to sort of lean on both of those receivers uh, as opposed to maybe like like you said as opposed to the running game and little things kind of just tell me that as a you know anecdotally like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods for example being Matthew Stafford's favorite targets and emerge Cooper Cup especially emerging as um a favorite target here through the training camp and and um through some of these scrimmages and Robert Woods being that really stable presence that just gets open and gets the ball and Additionally, some of the ways that the Rams are rotating in their running backs. I mean, this last week in the preseason game loss against the Raiders, they were having uh, a rotation of, of running backs. And for example, like Jake Funk, who started the game, would mm-hmm. rush uh, first on first and second down and then come out on third down and Xavier Jones would come in. And then the second half, they switched roles. So that tells me that you're establishing and pulling at threads of having a first and second down rusher. In this case, it would be Daryl Henderson and maybe a different back on the field on third down. So even little clues like that can tell you not just their concern about his availability, but also what his production capacity might really truly look like um, down the road. So yeah, I absolutely agree at, uh, on leaning on in this in this scenario. And I think it applies to fantasy football too. Like, uh, you know, it, in in both of those scenarios, I would lean on Stafford and and lean on um, particularly those number one and number two receivers that he has. Yeah, and if if you are someone who disagrees with that, who thinks no, Sean McVay is going to lean into Daryl Henderson. He's going to use Henderson as much as more than Cam Akers. Then by all means. Follow your instinct, follow your gut, and go over because I do think if he gets Acres workload, he's absolutely going to smash 925 and a half yards. It's just built into my um, judgment. There's the injury concern, and then there is the concern that McVeigh does not use him the same way he would have used Cam Akers based on their build, based on their running style, based on a lot of things. I mean, you, we've alluded to it, or you have on the uh, with questions you've gotten on the podcast about the 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 potential part of me that Sean McVay has actually reshuffled his offensive line in part because of a way that it maybe mm-hmm. fits Cam Aker or Daryl Henderson's running style better than Cam Akers and you know I, I, he's not going to give away that proprietary information of course but the context clues are there mm-hmm. if you can really try and decipher them. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, week one versus the Chicago Bears. Uh, Vegas, apparently having watched the Bears during the preseason, (laughs) has come to the conclusion (laughs) that the Rams are heavy favorites. In in this game, these things change rather quickly. Of course, we're recording this on uh, Monday morning, so these lines, these numbers can change. But the uh, the morning line number Rams minus three sixty five, while the Bears are plus two eighty. The point spread at the moment uh, has the Rams minus seven, which is a fairly significant number. Um, so not much, <laughs> there's not much debate here, Tyler, right? I mean, right. Vegas pretty clearly sees the Rams as, as, uh, the favorites in this game. Yeah, they absolutely do. And then the money line for those that do not know just takes the spread out of the equation. It just asks who's going to win the game. doesn't matter if it's by 800 points or one point, whoever wins the game, whichever side you have cashes that ticket. So, so at minus 365, uh, the betting market because of a seven point spread, uh, indicates that the Rams have a 78.5% chance of winning that game, according to uh, Caesars, where I got that line. So overwhelming favorites, obviously. Um, the Bears don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Andy Dalton or Justin Fields? Matt Nagy says Andy Dalton. I personally, as a better and a Rams fan, prefer Andy Dalton to start <laughs> over Justin Fields uh, because J- Justin Fields provides an element of unknown for the Rams defense for Raheem Morris to prepare for because he also has extra tools in his tool belt that Andy Dalton can't access. His athleticism, his arm strength, his ability to extend plays. When you're playing against a defense led by Jalen Ramsey and uh, Aaron Donald, even if it is your first game of the season, first game of his NFL career, if I'm a Bears fan, I want Justin Fields out there. Even if he crashes and burns, I'm fine with that because of the small chance that his athleticism accesses plays in the playbook or plays on the field against a great defense that Andy Dalton just can't. If Aaron Donald busts up the middle in 1.5 seconds, Andy Dalton is not getting away from number 99. He is going down for a sack. Not to say that Justin Fields will get away, but he certainly has the speed, the strength, more of that to get away from uh, Aaron Donald and maybe avoid throwing a pick to uh, someone like D. Will or Jalen Ramsey. So as a Rams better, as a Rams fan, I'm laying the seven, which means I'm going to take the Rams at minus seven. Um, because I believe Andy Dalton's going to start based on what Matt Nagy has told me. And I think that's an easier matchup for the Rams off Rams defense to deal with. Yeah. And, uh, people maybe who, uh, people who bet regularly will, will know this, but I mean, uh, a minus seven, this is not like college football where you routinely see, you know, minus 24, oh, minus yeah, 31 right. to, to get a, <laughs> a, a minus seven. It's, it's pretty rare to see a whole lot higher than that in, in a regular season game. Right. I mean, I guess you could get up to eight or nine sometimes I've seen. Yeah. But. Yeah, seven is massive. That's a massive number, obviously, in football to consider, because that means the Rams have to win by more than a touchdown. And if the uh, if the game is, you know, uh, you know, if they're up by 13 with a minute left in the fourth quarter, you're in a bad spot because the Rams don't care if the Bears score. But that's seven points. If the Bears do get that means it's only a six point margin of victory and you're a loser. 
So you have to consider the back door, the term that is used in betting parlance, that the Bears could cover that number. I do think, because based on what we saw last year, I think the Rams won that game against Chicago, was it 20 to 10 or 23 mm-hmm. to 10? They, they, they won it by double digits. And that was with an offense that was a little uh, stop and go and sporadic. I think the Rams That's offense kind. is going to be... Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be kind to our buddy Jared Goff because I really do uh, I really do worry about him having to play in uh, Detroit now with that uh, dearth of weapons and Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn calling his plays as opposed to Sean McVay. Um, like the guy, love the guy, but he's gone from one of the best setups for a quarterback in the NFL to quite possibly one of the worst. And Matt Safford, consequently, uh, gets the massive upgrade. But I, I think if, if you won that game, the Rams last year, using that script of dominant defense and then just you know do what you can offensively with Jared Goff, I think they can follow the exact same script this year uh, against either Andy Dalton or Justin Fields making his first ever NFL start on the road, hostile environment, uh, primetime game, and then having the expected boost on offense with Matthew Stafford pulling the trigger. All right, Jordan, are we ready? Are we ready to go to Vegas and, and wager our paychecks? I'm only betting on kickers. Tyler, can you send us a, a Rams yeah. kicker prop bet? Uh, we, we can, we Don't can think put it we on have Twitter. one specific to Matt uh, Gay, but there are uh, there is a prop out there for longest field goal kicked in the NFL this year. I think it's oh, 62 okay. and a half. So if you think someone's going to bang a 63 or 64 yarder, uh, Jordan, you can take the over there. Otherwise, uh, you're going to play the under. Can you, oh, can you bet on how many kickers a team will use during a season? That would bet be the great. over. No, <laughs> the, over, the over would have smashed by about, what, week three for the Rams last year. Yeah. My God. Yeah. yeah. Or how many punters will you roster? Well, yeah, take the over on that, too. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, do we Tyler, have any, we, do we have any fun are... props that we can dive into real quick? I thought you guys might have a few of those. Oh, we I, just make them up as we go along. Yeah, yeah. we're like, oh, how many kickers take the over uh, on okay. that? Uh, how many bottles right. of hair gel will Sean McVay go through this season? Take the over on that. That's a great uh, one. Yeah, so how many what? times will the TV camera cut to his stunt double, Zach Witherspoon, his get-back coach on the sideline? Uh, take the over on that as well. Yeah. Um, it's all overs. <laughs> all right. It's going to be a fun season. I used to, when I was at the Orange County Register, they made us pick games every every week. The year the Rams uh, made the Super Bowl, I only lost one game. I was wow. all wrong about one game. And I got such a big head, and I thought, I've got this figured well, out. This is easy, and right? then the next year, I was <laughs> I was like below 500. I was like, nope. I could never do this. I would. I would be. Uh, I would be bankrupt in in two years. So, but it's it's a lot of fun, and it's it's a great way to kind of uh, you know follow along with your team. Again, a lot of people just make bets to uh, you know hope that they can make some money along with their team winning. But as Tyler has showed us here, there's some strategy to it too, and kind of looking at it from a from an analytical standpoint. So, Tyler, thanks uh, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely, my pleasure. I really enjoy your guys' podcast and. Hope that there are some Rams fans out there that learned a little bit about uh, gambling and live in a state, one of the 27, 28 right now, where it's uh, legalized and they can go to their book and have a little fun betting on the Rams this year. 
and growing probably yep. in the next oh, yeah. several years. So Tyler, oh, yeah. um, we're, we're going to make sure to have you on again, uh, maybe at the halfway point or even, you know, in the, in the spring, just to kind of go over all of these things and talk about maybe the landscape. Uh, we'll, we'll have you on to maybe, uh, talk a little bit more philosophically too, about how you're watching the landscape change in real time. So we really appreciate you having, uh, you being on with us today. Um, big fan of your work because I learned something every time I see <laughs> anything you put out or, uh, and, and I learned so much today on this podcast as well. And I'm, I'm still waiting for uh, Rich to, to Venmo me. But um, I think that I think that it's just fascinating stuff. And you guys, uh, make sure you are following Tyler. Um, he also has a pretty sick Instagram. Uh, I'm not going to give the I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but that's one that you're going to want to follow as well. So um, thank you so much, Tyler, for being on with us today. And we can't wait to talk to you again. Absolutely. Jordan, Rich, I appreciate it. Again, that was Tyler Fulgham, and you guys, you have to go check out his work over at ESPN. He's a sports betting analyst, and then um, he also is a chef, a really great chef, it looks like, uh, so definitely go check out his Instagram as well. Um, and Rich, I definitely learned something from that because I am pretty clueless when it comes to this stuff, as, as I said uh, many times, but that was just really, that was fascinating and super helpful, I think. And, and I think we have a bunch of Ram fans who are out of state who do enjoy this and do get into this. So I, I also hope that it was helpful for them too. Yeah, I, I love the stuff about kind of uh, approaching it smartly. You know, I mean, you can you can look at one bet and be like, okay, I think that's going to happen. But you can actually kind of almost parlay this thing out and be like, well, I think this is going to happen. And therefore, this is likely to happen. And therefore, this is likely to happen. For instance, if you think Matthew Stafford is going to win the MVP, then obviously he's going to put up huge passing numbers, which is obviously great for Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So you probably want to make those bets too. So it's, it's really interesting to approach it that way. I know a lot of people just kind of make fun bets and that sort of thing. And I think that's great also. That's probably the way that I would do it because I'm I'm very low risk when it comes to those sort of thing. But I, I love the process, like he said, uh, behind that. So it'd be fascinating to see uh, how that how that plays out over the course of the 17 game season. And uh, 17, my God. Yes. And and speaking of 17, Jordan, because I if there's I love good segues, if nothing else, but uh, the, the the Raiders beat the Rams 17 to 16 on Saturday uh, at SoFi State. Stadium. Now, two-thirds of the way through the preseason, uh, the Rams fall to 0-2 in their blue and blue uniforms, which I guess they're just getting that out of the way. Um, Jordan, we probably don't want to talk you know, too much about a, a preseason game that just ended, but, but we are going into the last one, and obviously that has a lot of importance for some players who are on the cusp of the roster, uh, who are fighting for these last spots, maybe trying to get into the rotation at certain uh, positions. You, of course, have covered this extraordinarily well on the Athletic app and website in your column that went up after that game, uh, talking about some of the players who showed up and some of the players who, you know, maybe might have some concerns. So, General, but, but any any big takeaways from you, not only looking back at that Raiders game, but looking ahead to uh, maybe who needs to show out and uh, who's sitting in a pretty good spot right now? Yeah, and you know what, uh, Rich? I think this, as we sit right at the cusp of a, an unprecedented 17-game NFL season, I think I would like to be referred to as Stevie Nicks uh, okay. from here on out. Um, would you like to know why? Yes, I would. Because uh, we are on the edge of 17. I, I saw that. Cut. It was like <laughs> it was like a train that I saw at the very last second, and I couldn't jump out of the way in time. Excellent. Excellent reference, George. I just – I. 
I had that in my head like as we were talking and I was like, I don't even know if I can find a good way to put this in our podcast today. Right. But it's it it cannot be held in. <laughs> right. I can't I can't hold it in. I would be physically ill trying to right. hold that in. Right. Yeah, it, it hit us it hit us like a landslide. It really did. Oh my God. Yeah. See, that's good. See, I knew you'd figure you'd you'd have something to to, to play off it too. Right, Man, right. you're just uh that just that's just pretty we we just <laughs> We just know how to really make our listeners suffer physical pain. Yes, you exactly. Know? That's yeah. the goal. That that's is the, the goal, goal every week. Yeah, that's yes. the goal. Um, speaking of physical pain, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, this this game this week was uh, was uh, an interesting one. This last week, obviously, a um, couple fights at, at practices. Uh, go check out our uh, Raiders podcast, State of the Nation. We covered those earlier in the week, and those guys do a great job with that. But it, it all sort of escalated and. And um, hit 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 the apex in the um, in the game, and this was an interesting one for many reasons because not only did a couple of key role players actually play in this game, and among them being Terrell Burgess, Micah Kaiser, and Traven Howard, but also as opposed to switching quarterbacks out. Bryce Perkins played the entire game, um, wherein the previous game they had sort of t- did a timeshare rotation between himself and um, and Duck Hodges. So those are two of the most interesting things. A couple of guys who I want to get to as well after we hit on those topics. Obviously, the running backs, Xavier Jones and, and Jake Funk, I thought, um, looked way better this time around. Xavier Jones got a lot of his really explosive plays, explosive runs, and a, a good passing play called back because of penalties. Uh, that's not great. Uh, 10 penalties for, I think it was 89 yards for the Rams. It's preseason, but you still don't want those happening. Yeah. And then, um, and then also Chris Garrett and, and Chris Garrett just really, really impressed. And I'm, I'm happy for him. And, and we'll get into a couple of those things a little bit later, but I think we need to start with, with Bryce Perkins mm. and, Full disclosure, uh, we're from the same hometown, Chandler, Arizona. Um, I have watched Bryce Perkins play football since he was in high school, and he has been doing these things that just show um, not only his ability, such as the you know week one of the preseason, the, the stiff arm hurdle, but then also his resilience. And this is a young man who just like so many players across the league had so many things happen due to the COVID-19 pandemic that made it so much harder for teams to, first of all, find him, but then to no combine invite, um, no senior bowl invite, you know, things that just sort of stack up that uh, make the roster adversity for a player. And then he sat on the roster, the Rams roster for most of last season and, they they developed him. Uh, he sat on the practice squad most of last season until that one game uh, where he was on the active roster, but then did not dress for the active game day roster. And he didn't even really get to run the scout team because John Walford runs the scout team because the Rams want a really, really competitive scout team for their defense, and they run it as if it's a live simulation. So um, Bryce Perkins just sort of sat back and took a lot of development reps and worked a lot with Kevin O'Connell and showed resilience, not just in doing that, but on Saturday night showed a hell of a lot of resilience. And he just kept churning and just kept making things happen. And you never felt like the Rams were out of it. I texted a friend and I said that the Rams at one point on like a third down were, were in an empty set. And I was like, 
oh, I'm not feeling nauseous seeing them in an empty set on a longer third down. You know what I mean? Like you just felt like he could make things happen. And I thought that was um, a very, very notable thing to take away from from Saturday night. Yeah, that's such a great way to, to put it, Jordan. And, and in general, that's kind of how I look at these preseason games and look at some of these players. I mean, looking at the numbers don't really tell you a whole lot um, just because it's preseason and you don't know the teams approach these things so differently in terms of personnel, in terms of what they're running out there. Um, so, so to say, Oh, wow. You know, so, and so, you know, X of X for a hundred and some yards. Okay. I mean, it's, it's interesting, but it's, it's really the eye test to me to, to look at somebody and, and how are they, how are they commanding the field and, and what kind of feeling are they giving you when they're, when they're running that offense? And that's what I really, really enjoyed watching with with Bryce Perkins. It was just, he was on it, you know, and he even late in the game, uh, you know, a meaningless preseason game. And, and he just looks like a field general out there, you know, leading, leading him down for what ended up being, uh, would have been a, a tying touchdown had they decided to, you know, kick the PAT and, and just end in a tie, but uh, they went for the win and obviously d- didn't get it. But I mean, he, he was out there playing. And, and to me, that's, that's what I'm looking at, especially for somebody in that role where it, this is not a star. It's not somebody who you expect to see on the field. And quite frankly, if you do see him on the field in the regular season, things have gone wrong at some point. Um, so that, that's not really the goal here, but it's just kind of an evaluation thing and looking at saying, is this, a, is this a guy you want to keep on your roster? And to me, Jordan, it's, it's tough, uh, you know, looking at this situation uh, obviously Matthew Stafford is in place uh the Rams feel very good about John Wolford based on the, the last couple of years but now you've got Bryce Perkins and and I I posted on on Twitter <laughs> after the game uh something to the effect of uh, you know John Wolford is still the Rams backup quarterback pause right and uh, <laughs> only a rich Hammond tweet could accomplish yeah, you, you such know, Jordan, depths. Somebody, yeah. somebody responded to that with a with a picture of somebody uh, stirring a pot. I didn't quite get the reference. I, I don't I don't <laughs> I don't know what that meant. Um, I would never ne- I would never do that. Uh, but but <laughs> this is let's get straight to it, Jordan. I mean, what do they do here? Do, do you do you keep a third quarterback? Has Bryce Perkins played well enough in the preseason to think that one of the other 31 teams out there is going to poach him. Um, And if that is the case, is it worth a third roster spot for a quarterback? These are not easy questions and answers, by the way, but, uh, but how would you, how would you approach that? You know, Rich, as you were actually talking just now, the Rams transaction wire came through and uh, Duck Hodges is among those who were waived. Obviously, rosters had to be down to 80 players. Um, So this is narrowing things down for Bryce Perkins. And it is a a problem. It's a good problem to have, I think, because you can never have too many good quarterbacks on your roster. But you also have an established backup quarterback in John Walford. You have assigned him and established him as your sort of quote-unquote long-term backup. Sean McVay did that a year ago uh, when, you know, John Walford sort of, he was a preseason sort of cult favorite, cult hero, as backup quarterbacks often can be. And then he sort of exploded onto the scene in terms of, 
last year sort of got caught in the eye of the hurricane there uh, of of what was going on between Sean McVay and Jared Goff and was sort of just like doing his best <laughs> despite the circumstances. Right. A lot more people caught on to John Walford. And and so it's it's a really interesting situation because John Walford is the backup quarterback for this football team. And he had an appendectomy at the beginning of training camp. He has fully recovered from that. He has been throwing fully in practice. He was throwing fully in a padded scrimmages against the Raiders. He is not being held out of preseason games because of the appendectomy. He's being held out of preseason games because Sean McVay does not want to play him because he has a key been established as a key role player, a key backup. He does not want him to get hurt. I feel like he would have given John Walford his own appendix should John Walford have needed it. John Walford is the backup quarterback for this team, quote unquote, right now, right? And yes. so I think, I think, but it's interesting, right? Because Bryce Perkins has shown enough, in my opinion, that he could be a rostered backup quarterback somewhere right now. Right, and, right. and, We've seen some crazy stuff, man. They're they're out here starting Taylor Heineke in some places, right? Yes. So he could even be like if he were thrown into a circumstance in which he would be a starting quarterback at one point. I don't think he would um, sort of shrivel under that pressure. I think he would thrive under more pressure in that regard. And I think that if you can keep developing him, you really might have something with Bryce Perkins. Just as you know, you 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 determine. You know, that's what Sean McVay determined when he first found John Walford. So I think that this is a really interesting thing because it's like, okay, you can't waive Bryce Perkins because he, another team will probably try to claim him off waivers. It's a good thing that we did a betting episode today too, Rich, because that's a bet that I don't want to make is betting that he would clear waivers and you could re-sign him to your practice squad. Right. I, I don't think that that's a safe bet. I don't think that's a good bet. But he also does not have currently does not have, I think, a ton of trade leverage, which is the other reason why you would keep three quarterbacks on your rosters if you're trading one of them. Um, And I don't think an undrafted free agent can have much trade leverage if he has not played any non preseason football. Right. So John Walford is the one with trade leverage right now, but they won't. But I think Sean McVay would rather cut his own arm off than trade John Walford. So it's it's like. Could you could you keep three? Could you actually justify keeping three? And then where do you where do you trim in that regard? And and honestly, at the end of the day, I think too, I I always tend to sort of side with the the player as well. And I just want to see Bryce Perkins somewhere where he can thrive. I mean, he's a really special player, he's a special person. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting scenario here, um, Jordan. Because yeah, it, it, essentially what you're coming down to is, do you want to keep a third quarterback? versus a ninth defensive back or eighth defensive back or another offensive lineman uh, or, you know, something like that. It's, 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 you have to make a choice. It's, it's not a, it's not an either or thing. Uh, It's not a zero sum game is what I'm saying. You, you have to, if you're going to keep Bryce Perkins, you're going to lose somebody else. So if you keep Bryce Perkins, why are you keeping Bryce Perkins? Are you keeping him because you think he's going to play this year? No, you better not be. You better not be keeping him because you think he's playing this year. Are you keeping him because he's someone you want to keep off of somebody else's roster? Yeah, that might be a scenario. Are you keeping him because you think 
two years down the line, he is going to be in that position where you would be perfectly fine putting him in a game. Yeah, that also is a scenario. Uh, are those things more important than keeping another offensive lineman right now, keeping another defensive back right now? That's a tough question. And and these are the kind of the questions that, that Sean McVay and Les Snead and that whole staff are going to have to answer uh, very quickly here uh, because, you know, these roster spots are valuable. And to use one on a player like Bryce Perkins, who, again, quite frankly, unless you come up with some type of little package of plays for him, which is a possibility, you certainly could see that. Uh, but for the most part, you're not counting on him being on the field at all. So is it worth using that on on a on a player like that? I don't know. The Rams, Sean McVay has gone back and forth on, on this. Uh, I, I think the last time he kept three quarterbacks was 2018 when when they kept Brandon Allen alongside Jared Goff and, and Sean Mannion. So there is a, a little bit of, of a history of that. It's not ridiculous to think that Sean uh, might keep a third quarterback. And I don't know, somebody like this, I, I think I would do it, Jordan. And, and again, we'd have to look at the, the, the full projection and we'd have to do a side by side and say, OK, well, would you keep Bryce Perkins or would you keep? you know, this player, uh, then it might be, get a little more difficult. But all things being equal, I, I don't think I would want to lose this guy right now. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I keep coming back to, Rich, because I don't, I would not, if I'm Sean McVay, I'm looking at these two guys, they do different things, right? John Walford, I think, fits a lot more of that Matthew Stafford mold in that if he can, if he needs to pick up the gimme yards and run, he can. Um, but a lot of the movement comes from how he is able to reset launch angles, reset the pocket, uh, manipulate the pocket, the the arm angles, those types of things. But with with Bryce Perkins, you can do a lot of different things in terms of um, you know read option. You can there was a couple maybe two, I think it were like two design runs and then a couple where Bryce Perkins like poor guy's pocket just completely collapsed and he just went on the run because what else are you going to do? And so I, I think like that pre presents an interesting option. And for me, it's like you see how I mean, it's it's almost like if, if I'm Sean McVay, I see such strong qualities in both of these guys in terms of that resilience and that like sheer force of will to like make themselves valuable to the team. You know, like John Welford showing up before everybody else in the mornings and throwing footballs, you know, during the bye week and Aaron Donald like caught him on his way out of the facility, like heading out to the field and like John Welford running the scout team the way that he does is super, super valuable. And I think before people need like get all crazy about the which quarterback, they really need to pump the brakes and look at this logically. Like the way John Welford runs the scout team is incredibly valuable to this team and to this defense. At the same time, Bryce Perkins showed so much resilience in his journey and so much like force of will to just like make himself into this better player, into this growth. Um, you know, he played in a couple of different systems in, in college, was a transfer, um, and, and then, you know, spent a whole year learning this, this new offensive system while not getting reps. You don't get if you're a third string quarterback, you really don't get reps with the live offense. You you do a lot of drilling, you do a lot of uh, you know, catch, you know, individuals, catching drills, passing, excuse me, passing catch drills. And but you're not running the live offense. So this is really his first couple of times running this in full, as well as, you know, some of those third team reps during 
the scrimmage and then sec- some second team reps during, um, you know, when, when uh, John Walford was recovering from that appendectomy. And it just, it's impressive to, to have that force of will and that resilience to make yourself into someone who is so valuable for a team and someone who people get behind and people can, can feel inspired by. And, and um, I think that's both of these backup quarterbacks. And to me, that's, that's a lot of value enough to where if you can get away with cutting a position elsewhere that maybe you don't need. And I have just a weird feeling in my gut about where it's going to be. And we'll get to that in a minute, Rich, but, Mm. but if you can get away with that, then um, then I think you should do it. I think you I don't think you need to deal worry about, uh, you know, the quote unquote, like weird PR of keeping three quarterbacks. You know, I don't think yeah. you need to worry about that, especially I keep coming back to this, Rich. They were and I, I heard this from multiple sources. They were installing a change of pace package with Bryce Perkins in advance of the playoffs last year. So if they were to activate him onto the 46th man that dresses out on game days, there was a real chance you could have seen him in a change of pace package, some sort of, I don't want to compare anything to like Taysom Hill, but like something, something similar, like a multi-purpose sort of situation with Bryce Perkins. So I keep coming back to that and thinking like, if you have an advantage that can be found, like why not use that advantage, you know? Absolutely. And that, that's, that screams Sean McVeigh, doesn't it? I mean, that it, even just what you were saying about scheming that, it, it never came to fruition. But uh, you're looking for that edge any, anywhere that you can. And yeah, I just, I, I think it, I think it all adds up, Jordan. I, I do. Um, and again, it, my opinion might change if you actually put the, the list of players in front of me and said, okay, well, if you're going to keep Bryce Perkins, then this is who you're going to lose. Eh, that might make it a little more difficult, uh, depending on the role and the player and that sort of thing. But I, I don't know, quarterbacks being so important, uh, like this guy, see a potential in this guy, and you, you don't want to see him end up somewhere else thriving and say, wow, this guy could have been, yeah. <laughs> this guy could have been our backup quarterback. Right. You don't want to um, face him one day, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as great as a story as that would be for you, Jordan, to write, um, I, I don't think the Rams uh, really want to see it. So I, it's, it's a fascinating uh, uh, storyline for me. And here we go, Jordan. Uh, it's, it's the last preseason game coming up Saturday uh, at Denver. Uh, what are you going to be looking at here? I, I, I look at a couple positions. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, briefly the uh, linebackers against the Raiders and Traven Howard and, and Micah Kaiser Kaiser starting in that game. Chris Garrett obviously got a lot of run there. He did very well. Um, again, speaks to what you've been saying for a long time, that they're taking a long look at some of these guys. They're looking at them in these tandem kind of situations. Uh, that's a position that I'm going to be looking at in this last game. But but what are you what are you going to be eyeing as as these last kind of roster decisions come down, or some of these battles for for a last spot at a particular position? Um, any any positions that are going to be grabbing your eye specifically? Well, I, I I definitely think inside linebacker because I uh, and I'm wrong a lot. Disclaimer: I don't have any sourced knowledge on this, but just a feeling in my gut, like I feel like a, a there could be a cut, a surprise cut, yeah. um, and it could be at inside linebacker. So I think that that would be uh, really really interesting um, to me in terms of how they balance uh, balance the numbers. Um, I think in part 
Ernest Jones has really met the expectations of that were asked of him when he first entered camp. Trayvon Howard's moving really well. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting that they played Micah Kaiser is what I'm, you know, and I'm yeah. not saying that, you know, I don't, again, I don't know anything about this or whatever, but like, I, I thought it was interesting. And to me, Micah Kaiser had enough playing experience last year some of these guys played because they were injured all, all year last year and they needed some live time. Like right. Terrell Burgess is going to be a con- key contributor for the Rams this year, but he has not played in a live game since uh, like the, you know, mid season last year, Traven Howard missed, missed the entire season uh, last year. So Micah Kaiser did not, did not miss the entire season. Right. So um, Sean, I asked Sean McVay directly about that. And he said that it was just because of their numbers and the way things shook out. And I was like, well, in the first preseason game, you weren't so worried about your numbers and the way that things <laughs> shook out. Right. So either they were really trying to get that tandem of Kaiser and Howard, a uh, look at that tandem. Yeah. Um, but Micah Kaiser left the game pretty quickly. He did have the green dot on his helmet. Mm-hmm which would have otherwise indicated he stays on the field for the majority of the game, but he did not stay on the field for the majority of the game. So, you know, I'm not saying any of this means anything, but I do think it's something to bear monitoring as crunch time happens. And you are going to be making tough decisions, um, especially if you, if you really do want to keep a third quarterback, you're going to have to make a tough decision elsewhere. And then also running back, and you just really feel for Raymond Clay, who was waived this morning with the injury settlement, um, yeah. hurt his foot in the uh, in the preseason game, was really having a promising, promising camp, and especially in those preseason games before he got hurt. Tutu Atwell uh, kind of, I think, maybe accidentally shared that Raymond was the number two punt returner, which would imply that Tutu is the number one punt returner. Um, and then Raymond Calais seemed to be the number one kick returner. So I think that that's, that's not only a, a tough loss for, for the Rams there, they try to reshuffle and figure things out on special teams, but also trying to figure things out in terms of their running back depth, where right now Daryl Henderson is not playing in the preseason, um, but Xavier Jones and Jake Funk, as good as they look, do you now have to add a, a maybe – check for during uh, the waiver wires and, and cut downs and, and maybe add a young guy. Mm. Um, it, it just, it, it's very complicated right now in terms of a couple of those, those players and, and particularly um, the loss of Raymond Clay, who was sort of adding a little bit of extra depth in the running backs room. And then also was really showing some promise on special teams. Yeah. So unfortunate there. I mean, it seemed like it was going to be a good fit and, and that was a guy who was going to have a, a, a role for himself there. And yeah, that's a, it's a whole other element, Jordan, that we haven't even uh, gotten to is, is that waiver wire. And, and as these teams start having to make the look, the Rams aren't the only ones who are going to have to make difficult cuts here. I mean, every, every team does and uh, everybody can't keep all the players that they want. So there, there's going to be some names out there who uh, could potentially f- fill some holes and, and could potentially be upgrades. Uh, certainly not as starters, I wouldn't think, but uh, as in key backups or special team situations or things like that so it's it's always a little uh you know interesting kind of kind of uh it's like the pinata bursts and everybody runs to you know see what they can what they can grab and uh i, I certainly think that that'll happen again uh over in this last uh, after this last preseason game so uh yeah any any other uh how does how's the offensive line shaking out just before we wrapped up here jordan because i thought you know having criticized them 
the, the previous week. I, I thought we saw a little bit of progress there uh, with, with some players. I thought Bobby Evans bounced back a little bit. Uh, saw some good things from Coleman Shelton. Um, so go, going into that uh, last preseason game and into these final roster cuts, uh, do you, you talked about surprises. Uh, do, do you think things are, are still pretty much what we expect there? Or uh, is anybody kind of kind of fighting or, or battling in, in this last preseason game? Yeah, you know, I think the pe- the penalties were not good. The, uh, Tremaine Ingram, who uh, sounds like he'll he'll be okay, he rolled his ankle a little bit. Um, yeah. I think he's had an outstanding camp in preseason, but uh, he had a couple of those penalties. Um, Bobby Evans had a costly penalty, and then uh, was was sort of the culprit on one of those fourth downs in which um, hmm. Bryce Perkins had to essentially like run for his life. So I- I'm still looking <laughs> at that right side. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I I think. Our synopsis of the center change uh, was spot on yeah, <laughs> in, in so. terms of now you can really see now that they're playing opponents and things like that. So, um, but but yeah, I think you know it's it's hard to tell the, the with the starting offensive linemen other than what you see in camp. They looked they looked um, up and down, I would say, against the Raiders, but they also were installing a lot of different things. Um, you know, it's not tackle to the ground, so it's still a little bit difficult. I thought. Brian Allen and Coleman Shelton were two guys that I watched a lot of in particularly one-on-ones and they got better the more reps they got. So I thought that was notable. Um, and then Rob Havenstein looks, I think, pretty solid. I mean, Andrew Whitworth's going to be Andrew Whitworth, but I, yeah. I, I do think that Rob Havenstein, after putting together that season of consistency last year, um, to me, he looks really solid. Um, so I think that on the first team, you're not really you're not really worried yet, right? Mm-hmm. But on the second team, I mean, their depth really, to me, concerns me. You can't, Tremaine Ancrum can't play every position, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I think, and Joe Noteboom has impressed, but is not really playing in the preseason, which should, again, because he is a key role player, a key depth player at left tackle. Um, and Rob Havenstein uh, really issued some compliments of, of Joe Noteboom's development as well, which I thought was neat. But I don't I'm I'm super concerned still about their depth and um sure some of these guys look better as time goes on Coleman Shelton I think is one of those guys who as the game continues he really finds his rhythm at center but I still am not encouraged um by the depth here so one one more game to try to see that rich and then also uh, we're not sure either if the Rams will have either of their punters once again right uh, and that was a little bit of news provided only by 2020 and 2021 uh, with both punters on the COVID-19 reserve list. Yeah, yeah. And Matt Gay uh, taking over kicking and, and punting duties. It's it's always something with the special teams, isn't it, Jordan? My God. They're like, I, I should have built a big bingo board or something in my, in my house because they've hit just about every box. And I... I'm not mad at Matt Gay for, you know, having a field goal block. I don't I don't fault him for having a field goal blocked like he went one right. for two. That dude must have been so freaking tired right. by the end of that game. Like, I don't fault him for any of that. I, I sit there and I'm like, we probably just scratched that game for Matt Gay because right. he had to do everything. He handled kickoffs, extra points, field goals. He was punting. And his first punt of the game, by the way, thanks to a couple of penalties, he was backed up so far into the end zone, his own end zone, that he was basically under the field goal upright. So I, I really do not fault him 
for right. any of that. Um, and this is a developing situation with Johnny Hecker and Corey Brockwes. Um, we obviously do not have, nor without player confirmation, would be able to publicly confirm um, what their timeline looks like as it pertains to vaccinations. So that's going to be one where we're just have to going to have to wait and see because if a player is fully vaccinated after providing two negative tests with the 24-hour window in between them, they can return to their teammates. However, an unvaccinated player would have to miss minimum 10 days hmm. um, before the window opens uh, for them to test to, to return to the, the playing field. So right. not great when you're in a competition, um, which these two guys uh, certainly believe that they are. Yeah. So um, it's going to be interesting uh, what they, the Rams decide to do. They are lucky it's the preseason that this yeah. happens. But uh, that's definitely a situation that bears monitoring down the road, Rich. It is, and uh, all special teams. It never, never fails to give us something uh, interesting uh, to talk about. Yeah, but if the the timing uh, is, is, you know, not not good, but could have been a lot worse, I, I guess you can say. So, uh, so here we go, Jordan. Uh, final preseason game Saturday uh, at Denver, six o'clock Pacific time, and then uh, that's it. Uh, regular season will begin on September 12th uh, at SoFi Stadium against the Chicago Bears. So one more preseason game to go. Jordan, of course, will have a full week of coverage on The Athletic app and website. I'm sure we'll be talking about all these interesting roster decisions that are in play, who you're going to want to watch in that Denver game and uh, who's who's battling for a job. So, uh, Jordan, uh, I know... So many of our loyal listeners are already subscribers to The Athletic. Certainly appreciate that. Thank all of you. But if they're not yet, how can they rectify that? Well, you definitely could subscribe at any time. But if you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the entire world. Rich, what is it? A great discount. That's right. You get a great discount when you sign up to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast. You get my favorite thing in the world, a great discount. And you guys, we just really, really appreciate you keeping up with us, following along. We're loving this great episode with Tyler Fulgham. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you leave a great review. Five stars, but we're a little biased. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez and follow Rich on Twitter at Rich underscore Hammond. And we'll catch you next week. 